Welcome to season three of the Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. So I started a partnership with True Local recently. And you might be wondering, what does that mean? Well, let's talk about it. I am a big fan of supporting local. Being a farm kid, I really value seeking out local farms that I can support. And True Local allows me to do that. It's also Canadian owned and expanding into the US. If you order from True Local at truelocal.ca or truelocalusa.com and use the code TRUELIFESTYLECHASE, you can redeem it for three pounds of grass-fed lean ground beef in your first two orders or one pound of grass-fed lean ground beef in your first two orders of a small box. Or alternatively, if you like bacon, you can use the promo code APLITTLEBACON and you can get one pound of delicious bacon added to all of your regular orders in addition to four boneless skinless chicken breasts in your first three orders of a regular size box. In a small box, you can still get one pound of bacon added to your first three orders. And remember, at the end of the day, eat protein. Thank you and enjoy listening to or watching The Lifestyle Chase. So welcome to The Lifestyle Chase. Today is episode 162 and I am joined by the one and only Chloe Forrest. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We got the the mountain range behind me. Um, <laughs> having a good time with these uh, these scenic backgrounds. Um, for my listeners who may very well be brand new to you, how would you describe yourself? Like, what are some attributes about yourself that you're really proud of? What am I really proud of? Well, first of all, I like to tell people I'm a voice actor. It took me a long time to embrace that title because a little bit of imposter syndrome but now i am going full-fledged i'm chloe forrest i'm a voice actor i've worked with brands like visa and kia i really want to get into animation one day i also work with lululemon a lot i work here in toronto and that's actually how we met i think the story of how we met is really funny we were in training together and they kept accidentally putting just you and me in a room together so we basically got to know each other. I feel like that's such a COVID way to meet someone over Zoom and training. But yeah, I was an athlete when I was younger. I really like to incorporate incorporate fitness and wellness into my life nowadays. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the best intro you could possibly come up with. Um, <laughs> one thing that I do for people is I kind of take a little perspective. I, I take them to a different period of their life where I might not have a clue what they're going to answer. But um, mm-hmm. if we were to put you at where you were at when you were 10 years old, where would that place you and what was life like? Oof. Okay. It's really interesting that you chose 10 because when I was 10, I had just moved overseas to the Middle East. So <laughs> when I was 10, I packed up my bags. Actually, when I was nine, I packed up my bags and went with my family and we moved to Dubai, UAE. So when I was 10 years old, I everything in my life changed. I made all new friends. I was in a new country, a new continent. I didn't know a single person there except my parents and my little sister. So life was wild is the best way to describe when I was 10 years old. (laughs) What were your first thoughts when you were going to have to make that big move? Were you like scared? Like what was what was happening in your life? Well, I was, this is not going to surprise anybody, but I was a very loud child. And I actually remember being in school and we had this giant map on the wall. And I remember when I found out I was moving, I went in and I literally made the entire class sit and watch while I showed them exactly where I was going to be moving on the other side of the world. I was like, we live here in Halifax, but I'm moving all the way over here to Dubai because I'm cool. And like, I don't think it had hit me at that point. I was only nine, like how much my life was going to change. But all I knew is that it was a cool thing to brag about in grade three, I think I was in. So 
yeah, that's how I was excited. I, I think I was a little too young to really grasp how much my life was going to change, but it was something to brag about. <laughs> well, I mean, that's something cool that is uh, like people don't appreciate how little fear that young kids have which I think is really cool. Like when it comes to like chasing goals, chasing dreams, stuff like that, like kids don't even make excuses. They're just like, hell yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. When you got into Dubai, like uh, what were the things that uh, stand out to you now? Like as an adult looking back and you're like, okay, what, what kind of lessons did I learn from that whole integration to a new, new place to live, new routine, stuff like that? I think the biggest thing for me was just the number of experiences I had that my life would have been completely different if I hadn't moved to Dubai. And one of the biggest things I think was just meeting so many different kinds of people. Uh, my school that I went to in Dubai, we entered the Guinness Book World Records for the most nationalities in one school. We like went for it one year. I think we lost by like one nationality. But looking back, it's just it's so crazy the number of people that I that I met from all over like my best friends were British South African Indian one girl was from Pakistan and when we all left Dubai in grade 10 we all just scattered around the world and it's just it was it was it was too close to home to realize how amazing that was to be friends with all those different people at that age but now that I look back I'm like wow that was that was crazy that my close-knit friend circle was so worldly um yeah and just it's funny I a lot of people will say to me like you don't know xyz cartoon or book or childhood memory and I'm like no because I was growing up in the Middle East and they're like wait what and I guess for all the things I missed I I think I gained so much more perspective and and experience that I don't I don't even know if I can really put it into words to be honest well, I mean, that's really cool because it kind of aligns with like the values of the lifestyle chase. Like I, I run this podcast with the value of diversity and like getting connected to people who might have different experiences, might not even be in the fitness industry. I actually pull that qu card quite often. People are like, well, is it a fitness podcast or is it not a fitness podcast? I'm like, it's a podcast that benefits people in and out of the fitness industry hosted by a personal trainer and nutrition coach. So it's yeah. like somewhere down the line, it like uh, fills, fills the role. Um, when you talk about like the people that you made friends with and connected with, like, do you still stay in contact with them today? So most of my friends from Dubai, I still have on Instagram, Facebook, all of the social media platforms. I once in a while will get a message here and there. But in terms of like constant connection, not really. One of the issues is mostly like the time difference and also obviously just like growing apart over the years. But if I was to be in a country that any of them were in or if I if they were to come to Canada, I would definitely want to meet up and catch up. It's been 10 years now. Yeah, 10 or 11 years now since I moved back. So really feels like another lifetime ago. <laughs> so having spent all that time outside of Canada, what was it like to move back? It was a bit of a culture shock, to be honest. Um, I, whenever people ask me what it was like to grow up in Dubai, I always describe it like that was my old life and then this is my new life. It doesn't, there's not really any like crossover. Like none of my friends who live here had visited me in Dubai and none of my friends from Dubai have visited me here. So there's not really a lot of crossover other than my grandparents who came to visit us. But it was, it was really a culture shock because I was coming back in grade 11, which is I think a really hard year to change not only schools, but countries. There was a lot of things like, <laughs> I have this funny story where I, I did the international baccalaureate program, but I went into French class in grade 11 and I had not taken any French because I was in the Middle East. I had taken Arabic for eight years. Uh, and no, I can't speak Arabic. <laughs> But my, I was there one class and my teacher just looked at me and she was like, you can't take French. Like, you're so bad at French. And I was like, yeah, fair. So I transferred to Spanish, which I'm glad. But just um, making friends all over again, uh, fresh in grade 11 isn't always easy for everybody. But, you know, my friends now, I'm still friends with my best friend from grade 11. And it feels like I've known her literally forever. So it, I don't really think it hindered me in any way but it was definitely it was mostly a lot of questions like people asking like 
did you ride a camel to school? Like, is there running water in Dubai? Like just a lot of questions that seemed so silly to me, but it's just, it just goes to show you how much something seemed so normal to me, but a lot of people don't have those experiences to travel or get to see the world. And I, I was really lucky to be able to do that. Well, I mean, it also like gives people perspective, like to be able to understand um, not everything that we think is actually the reality. Like I think sometimes, I mean, as Canadians, we can get a little bit like narrow-minded and we, we are used to like what, what we know, but we don't know what life is like for other people. So like for yourself being so open to making new friendships and connections and learning and starting fresh, I think that's a valuable skill to have. And it's like, it's something that I try to promote just as far as like personal growth goes and like career success and like sustainability just through like healthy lifestyle. Um, when it came back to your in Canada, grade 11, and then going into grade 12, all that stuff, like what was the thought process that kind of led you to do the schooling that you did? So I have been a performer per se my entire life. Like if you ask my parents, they're like, oh yeah, when she was in theater camp, she was you know, directing, writing, starring in theater camp. And we have this funny story of when I was little and I wrote this play about a butterfly and in the play, the butterfly dies. But I, of course, was like playing the butterfly, but I didn't want to miss out on the second half of the play. So I had the butterfly like come back to life so that I could still be in the entire play, which I think describes like my personality pretty well. Uh, I've just, I've always been a performer. I've always been loud. I people tell me all the time to use my indoor voice and I think if you ask like my parents or friends and looking back if if I had said I actually will make a career out of my voice they probably would have laughed but been like yeah that makes perfect sense um so I always knew I wanted to do some something in like performing or arts and then I was in Halifax and I kind of had decided that I had just gone back to Canada I've only been here for two years I grew up you know, somewhere far, far away. And I decided I wanted to stay close to home. So I went to Dalhousie and I, I have been a bachelor's degree in acting, which is very suiting. And I also have a minor in business. My parents actually convinced me to do the minor in business. And it was a little, I was like, seriously, like, I just want to act. This is too practical. But really have to give them kudos because it's it really fueled a second interest in me and that's marketing and business so I'm currently about to finish I'm in my final semester of my second undergrad in marketing and people ask me all the time they're like do you have a marketing and an acting degree but the people who actually are in the entertainment industry are like that is genius like that those two things go hand in hand so well and the more I'm getting into the business side of acting and kind of trying to get my career going, I'm just noticing that, yeah, they go hand in hand. And I honestly think no matter what you do, you could benefit from a business degree. Well, I mean, in the fitness industry, I would have to say I completely agree. Like everybody that has to kind of like hustle a little, little bit or innovate or find solutions in like I mean this is we're in the middle of a pandemic I try not to bring it up too too much but it's just like unexpected things come up and it's like okay what are you going to do next and like a business degree is powerful because it gives you the skill set to apply some of your thoughts and mm -hmm. get positive outcomes um, with going to, to school and stuff what were the things that kind of stood out to you in getting that like education? What what are the the lessons that you're kind of using in your day to day life today? Well, it's funny because when I was in my acting degree, people were always telling us like, "You are a business. If you're an actor or an athlete or whatever industry you're in, at the end of the day, if you're representing yourself you're representing yourself as a business whether you want to think about it like that or not and I think getting in the mindset of I am a business as a person is so valuable when you're trying to you know push yourself or succeed so I think the biggest thing that I've learned is adapting all of those business tools to me so like how can I market myself 
well, if I have to market myself, then I need to think of myself as a brand. If I'm a brand, what does that brand look like? What's my brand voice? What's my brand image? And I've been doing a lot of work this past year, especially with COVID, since I've obviously been at home a lot, figuring out like, who am I as a brand? And, and how can I make sure it's, it's really authentic to who I am? Um, and it's, it's a really cool process. And I think, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned is that like, I am a brand and I am a product at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I can relate to. It's like a thought process that I've had to reflect on, especially this year. Cause it's like this year's year of self-reflection or I mean this past 12 months, I should say year of self-reflection and kind of asking yourself the tough questions to try and like figure out what it is that you stand for where is your line in the sand where do you want to be what do you want to do what do you want to be known for um if i asked you the tough question of what is your brand like uh what would that answer be like who who are you what is your brand who am i my brand is so much more than voice acting i feel it's like who i am as a person i think it just all stems down to like community I love people. I love meeting new people. If you ask my friends, they joke that I have like a new best friend every couple of months, obviously pre-pandemic, but like we're meeting, we're friends and we met in a pandemic. Um, but yeah, community, I really like bringing people together. I love cultivating experiences that inspire others. I do a lot of work with community at Lululemon. I emceed the 10K they did and in those moments when I'm in front of a huge crowd and I'm cheering them on and I'm using my voice powerfully, like that's when I feel like I am my true authentic self. And I feel like that's what I want to do with my life. Well, I'm glad that you kind of brought that up because it helped me segue into the next topic that I wanted to talk about. So a little backstory <laughs> is in Edmonton, we had the Edmonton 10K and I interviewed the MC for that, or at least for, for one of the years that it went on, it was uh, DJ Bradley James. So if you mm -hmm. dig back in the episodes, you can find him. So now I'm like collecting these MCs like Pokemon. <laughs> um, I just, first I want to go back into what brought you to Lululemon. Because I mean, in, in the training for the GEC, we both got to see people's kind of like origin stories. And usually it was like pretty cool backstory. So if you're open to sharing, like what was it that happened that you're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go work for Lululemon. Yeah, I feel like my backstory is a little bit different than most people's because I actually started at Aviva, which is Lululemon's little kids brand. It's like for girls aged eight to 14. Um, it's no longer around, unfortunately, just because of a variety of factors, but I actually was working as a photo assistant at a photo studio in Halifax right after I, gra I graduated. And next to the photo studio was Aviva. And I used to go in there a lot and just like talk to the girls because they were really cool and they were like close in age to me. And one day they were like, why don't you work here? And I was like, okay. So I applied to work at Aviva and I got hired there. And it was, it was a really challenging experience just because of some of the more like difficulties with like a manager that I had and things like that. But in terms of like the core of the store, it was honestly life changing. I worked with little girls. I actually ran the Instagram page for a little bit and we did photo shoots and all of the photo shoots we posted on social and we had almost 10,000 followers were local Halifax young athletes in their sport. So Typically, they would come and shop at our store and I would help them pick out an outfit and then I would be like, okay, you're awesome. Can I come take photos of you? So I would plan to go to the girls' sports. So soccer practice, gymnastics meet, whatever they could do. And then I would take photos and we would feature those photos on the Instagram page. And it was amazing. There was I have some stories that are like really heartfelt of finding little girls' confidence with them and it's just, it was really powerful. And after seeing that kind of interaction with a company, I was like, I love this company. Unfortunately, Aviva closed, but Lululemon was like, Kate, come work for the real parent brand. And then I transferred over and then I moved to Toronto and I've been at Queen Street for three years now. And it honestly feels like family, which is why I can't leave. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that seems to be a commonality, just like the connection that people make um the sort of just being able to feel like a deeper sense of purpose like you can work for a mm -hmm. lot of places and be like okay punch in punch out 
And then for others, it's like, no, like you're able to empower people. You're able to help people see their best self. You're able to promote that uh, people can be themselves and uh, feel confident in their own skin. And um, it's just such a cool, like, place to be, like a, a situation to be. Like for a lot of people, it's like the job itself might help them through like a season of their life. But then that sense of purpose kind of almost bolsters everything that they do going on from that. Um, when we talk about yeah. the uh, Toronto 10K, uh, what was it that uh, sparked the opportunity for you to be the MC? Like, what was the the turning point there? So my <laughs> my assistant store manager at the time, Petra, she's actually left now because she's doing some awesome like. Uh, social media mentoring or like social media business on her own she's running a business and she's killing it um Petra K Pierce if anyone is looking um and she her and I sat down one day because Lululemon's really into like goals and um you know setting up things that you want to accomplish and I was like telling her I was like I don't know I want to do this and that and this and that and she was like okay if she's like from everything you're saying it sounds like you just want to use your voice. And she wrote down on a piece of paper, she was like, use your voice. And so I was like, yeah, you're right. And she was like, so why don't we start looking for ways that you can incorporate like your love of Lululemon and your, you know, family here with using your voice. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So we started thinking like, okay, well, the 10K, I could, I could apply to MC that. So I put my name in the, in the ring for that. And then I also applied to be uh, one of the training facilitators. So I was actually picked to be one of the like regional training facilitators for the new hires in all of Toronto. Um, just another way to use my voice. And yeah, I, I was selected to do the 10K and it was one of the most fun days that I've had in a really long time. <laughs> Well, how did that experience change you? I know with the Edmonton 10K, everybody involved had something that they took away from that, like mm -hmm. whether it be the energy or the opportunity or just like seeing so many people do such big things that meant so much to them. What was your experience with that? What were your takeaways? For me, it was just, it's such a special thing because I've been with Lululemon for so long. It's not like I was just hired to MC like some random event. I got to be on the start line. Some of my best friends were pacing the event. As some of my coworkers ran by, they waved at me because they were running the event. There was just like so many elements of it that I felt connected to. And then friends of mine who aren't don't even work at Lululemon, you know, they were front row on their yoga mats waving up at me for like the post yoga stretch. And it just it it just felt so right. I know that sounds weird, but it, it just I, I knew that's what I wanted to be doing. I felt at home on stage. I felt community around me, so many people that I loved and that I cared about. And then while doing that, I got to watch them crush their goals, which was really cool. So I think it just it just really gave me a sense of what I want to do. Like I it's those moments in life when you're like, this is exactly where I should be. And this is exactly what I should be doing. And that was that was a really, really affirming moment for me. Well, I like that you said that it felt so right. I think a lot of people that are kind of uh, working really hard to chase a goal, like they're chasing that feeling of like being in the right place, um, having that sense mm -hmm. of uh, purpose in, in the degree that like, no other role, no other job, no other way of living a life would be the same, no matter what it paid. Um, can you think of other times in the last like four years when when you can think of moments like that that kind of uh, related to that feeling that you had from from the 10k? Yeah, for sure. I'd say the first time I felt that way was when I was at Dow. We had different shows that we would do, like they were massive productions, huge budgets. We essentially acted like we were a theater company. There was only 13 of us. And for the final show for our final year, I got cast as the lead role. And at the end of the final show of the final performance, I had a monologue that was basically just saying like, thank you for being here. Now you can give us applause. Like that was the monologue. And 
I just remember like my family was there. My best friend was there. Like my, everybody who was important in my life was at that performance, seeing me do exactly what I wanted to do. And it just felt so right. I mean, I I know I just said that, but it, it was the exact same feeling. I was like, this is, this is it. This is what people look for. This is the feeling people search for. Like, this is it. And then I'd say the next time I really felt that feeling was when I got an agent here in Toronto for voice acting. And one of the early on auditions I did was for a FIFA World Cup, for the Women's FIFA World Cup. And I booked it and I was psyched. It was the first commercial that I voiced here in Toronto. And it was a really inspiring commercial about little girls looking up to their idols and like following their dreams. And it was just crazy that not only did I book a voiceover gig here in Toronto after getting my agent, which is like all I wanted to do, but for the commercial that I did first to be so related to like me and be like inspiring young girls and come 360 back from working out of Viva and be about soccer, which I grew up playing. It, it just, it was like a pinch me moment. And it's funny now that I've done two years worth of commercials with Visa, everyone, I'm like, yo, this is, you're doing it. Like, stop and smell the roses. Like, it can be a little bit, things get repetitive once you start achieving your dreams, like again and again. And then you take moments like this and you look back and you're like, wow, that felt amazing. And I'm doing it. And yeah, that's, that was that was big for me, and I and then getting to see it, it it aired during um it aired every game of the FIFA Women's World Cup, so I had like my family sending me clips of it, and every time I saw it on TV, I just like I couldn't even put into words what it felt like. It it was like watching literally watching your dreams come true. Well, I mean that's super cool, and like I have to admit, I was watching YouTube the other day, and I think I was I hadn't watched the Super Bowl yet. And I went and watched like the halftime show. And I think it's probably because like my uh, IP address is based in Canada. A Visa commercial came on and it was you. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, I know her. And yeah, it was probably like the dancing one, I think, is, is airing right now or something. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. It's just like, it's cool because it's one thing for a person to be able to say yeah i did this but it's another thing for it to still be out there and like people can literally like see it has happened and it's like uh it's a fixture in society like people are going to come across it accidentally on purpose you're not going to have to look too hard for it um i'm going to quickly segue because i want to talk about like your your journey getting the agent because i can imagine there's probably a lot of stuff that uh led up to that maybe some some doubts maybe some confidence like what was the process yeah. like for you in uh, getting your agent so it was pretty easy in Halifax I had an agent in Halifax because it's so small and I came to Toronto with the hope of pursuing acting I didn't really know at that point that I wanted to do specifically voice acting voice acting more found me like I found success in it I was booking those jobs and the more I did it, the more I realized I really, really loved it. I feel like the reason for that is acting is very superficial. Like, you know, it's all about the way you look at the end of the day. Like if someone doesn't like the way you look, you could be the most amazing actor in the world. If the director or casting director doesn't really have your face in their mind, then you're not going to book it. And I just love that for voice acting, you can literally be whoever you want to be. It doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter who you are. You you can be whoever you want to be and you don't have to try so hard to be something you're not. And I found that a lot of the on-camera auditions I was going to, I was trying to be somebody I wasn't because all the girls had like fake hair, fake nails, fake this, fake everything. And it's just, that's not me. And I just, I felt like I couldn't compete. And if I did want to compete, I had to be somebody that I wasn't. So I was like, okay, voice acting is it. And I didn't have a lot on my demo reel. I did a guest spot on Trailer Park Boys, which you can watch on Netflix. It's a little embarrassing, but I, I recorded it on my 21st birthday. It was my first speaking role in a TV show. So another really cool pinch me moment, but 
I that's all I had really done. So I I did struggle quite a bit to find an actor to find an agent here. I tried for about a year when I first got here. And you read so many things of people being like, oh, there's so many actors in Toronto. Good luck. Like, you're not going to find an agent. And I'm like, the industry sets it up for it to be hard. And a lot of people have a lot of horror stories of how hard it is. And even in theater school, people were like, you're most likely going to fail. Like, uh, even my professors in school were like, most of you will fail. And we were like, oh, okay, thank you. And I think having the marketing and all that is like, was what I needed in my mindset to be like, no, I need to think about this more critically. How am I going to get an agent and how am I going to succeed? So what I did is I set up my microphone and I just recorded a bunch of auditions that I had done in the past that I didn't book as best as I could. And I strung them together and made myself a demo reel. Normally when people apply for an agent, they send along a demo, which is like a list or like an audio file of work they've already done. I have one now that I have had success, but I had to just make my own. And I just emailed it like a spam artist, like just email, 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 email. And then finally, um, my then agent emailed me back. She's like, I love your sound. I'd love to meet you. And I just got lucky where she was new in the industry as an agent and I was new and she was looking to build her roster. You know what? No, I shouldn't say lucky. I always say like I got lucky, but I actually worked really hard. So I, it wasn't luck. It was me working hard. Um, and then she actually moved to England, but I, they, they liked me enough to keep me on their roster. So I now have another agent with them and I'm really happy with what, like how things have gone. And I'm just auditioning and auditioning and working as hard as I can to, uh, you know, make those dreams come true. Well, that's really cool. And especially like you, you made that correction and I'm glad you did that whole, you did work hard. Like, I think sometimes people have a hard time giving themselves credit for the hard yeah. work and, like, putting in those reps. Um, that's a common expression for me being a trainer. I'm always like, put in the reps, put in the reps. But it's just <laughs> – it's so true. Like, unless you unless you try, you can't expect anything to happen. I mean, my mm-hmm. background is going out of high school. I was going to go to Vancouver Film School. And if I had tried further, maybe it would be different. It would be – it was the same kind of uh, – just thought process like people are like oh, I don't know like people that go to film school they don't really make a name for themselves but it's like mm-hmm. you you get out what you put in into any career that yeah. you go into whether it be fitness film engineering like it's just you can't expect some crazy awesome outcome if you're not willing to be in the trenches working your butt off um when it comes to uh recording an audition what what's your process do you have to psych yourself up do you have like some kind of a routine that you do i wouldn't say i have a routine it's funny i actually was talking to a friend of mine who i work with at lululemon um she is also an actor she's had a lot of success in film and television um and we were just talking she did this workshop and it was actually about you know, the actor's mindset. And she was saying how crazy it's so similar to an athlete where, you know, you have your pregame rituals, you have to eat this, drink this, do this. And it's like, actors don't normally think of themselves as athletes, but having those pregame rituals can be just as helpful. I wouldn't say I have a set pregame ritual, but it's just, it's really important to warm up. It's really, really, really important to warm up. I like to read out loud every day I have like a bunch of voice acting books that I like to read and uh reading them out loud every day is something that I do that's really helpful for like articulation and vocabulary expansion and things like that um before I record an audition I like to obviously read it over a lot before I even attempt to say it out loud just so that I can pick out if anything looks tricky. (laughs) One time I was auditioning for a McDonald's commercial and I just could not for the life of me say Arabica beans. I kept saying Arabica just like I was in the studio and Arabica, Arabica and just, I don't know. I think that's funny, but it's just like finding those little quirks that are difficult for you. Um, Yeah, other than that, not really a pregame ritual. I just, I'm really critical of myself. So I I, I will generally do a first take, listen back, and then even the smallest little 
clicks or this or that like they stand out so loud to me so I'll generally do it I'll generally spend like maybe 30 minutes working on an audition just to make sure it's perfect before I send it off to my agent well I mean even bringing up the point of being like self-critical I mean that's something that uh, echoes in my mind I've reflected on like the past couple of years and I'm like, Oh, I'm nowhere near what I want to be. Like, I, I feel like I failed. And then I actually like take an analytical look at everything from the past couple of years. I'm like, Oh no, like it's not bad at all. Like it's actually quite mm-hmm. good. Um, what, what is your kind of process for, uh, battling the, the self-criticalness? Like where, where do you get your positive outlook from when you need a positive outlook in any given situation? Yeah, I imposter syndrome is so real. Like the the idea that like you're, you know, an imposter in a space in which you're working, performing, whatever it is. And I feel like what I often tell people is when you go to school to become an architect, you graduate and then you apply for a job that says architect and then you have a business card that says architect on it. When you're a voice actor or a trainer or a podcast host, you don't apply to a job that says voice actor and then get a business card that says voice actor and then put that on your LinkedIn. So I feel like imposter syndrome is just so easy to come across in more artistic or creative fields. And I remember when I booked my first visa commercial and it went national. And now I've been recording visa commercials for two years now. Many I've done probably 20 to 30 visa commercials at this point. I remember doing the first one and I was like, oh my God, I did it. Oh my God. And then I did another one. And then I said to one of my friends like, well, I'm not a voice actor yet. And they were like, you were paid to do a national commercial with your, like what, if you're not a voice actor, who's a voice actor? And I was like, oh, well, you know, people who have been working in voice acting for 10 years and they have all the things and all the microphones and stuff. And they were like, what? And I think the biggest way to overcome imposter syndrome is to just make the choice to be what you are. Like I am a voice actor and I've gotten to a place now where it's one of the first things I say about myself. If I meet someone, if they like, what do you do? Oh, I'm a voice actor. Whereas like two years ago, I would have been like, Oh, well I want to be a voice actor. And one of the best things I saw on, I think I, I don't know, followed this guy on LinkedIn because he was posting like great voiceover tips. And he was like, drop the word in aspiring. He's like, I hate seeing aspiring podcast hosts, aspiring fitness trainer. It's, he's like, if, you, if you're doing it, you're doing it. Like, who, who, who is anybody else to tell you that you're in the aspiring stage and you're not doing it? Like, No one else can tell you that unless you're, say, like a doctor and you haven't graduated med school yet. Okay, you can't say you're a doctor. But for us, it's like, yeah, I am a voice actor. And I just have to remind myself that being a voice actor is like a choice to call myself that. I could say aspiring or I could say like wannabe. But at the end of the day, by confirming to myself that I am, it it has a positive impact. And then it makes me feel like I am and that I work harder and that I do better. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like self-affirmation is really such a powerful tool. I mean, that's perfect. Like to, to tie it up with self-affirmation, I think it sounds like super hippy-dippy from the outside in. It's it something does. that I have to do. Like I have to remind myself that I'm capable of things or I have to remind myself of things that I've accomplished. And you've kind of shared about how you've kind of had to remind my remind yourself that you are doing things now like you're not doing things tomorrow you've already done things um yeah with that being said like what what are your tools that you use to affirm things to yourself aside from just saying it out loud is there other things that you lean on are there people in your life that kind of are your backbone and in, in struggles or, or what's that process like for you i I've never been a big like journaler or write things down. My like love language is to-do lists. I love to-do lists. Journaling, not so much. I've recently started working through the five-minute journal. I don't know if you've heard of it. I love it for someone like me who's like very go, go, go. Just taking five minutes to write down what I want to do for the day, a nice affirmation is like just enough to keep me on track, but not too much that I get bored or 
like lose interest. And then, yeah, 100% the people in my life, I, every time, literally every single time a commercial comes out of mine and my friends see it on TV, I always get these messages that are like, oh my God, I heard you on TV. And like, even if they've seen 10 of them, they still send me those messages. And every time it feels just as good. Like my mom and dad will post my videos on Facebook and be like, we heard Chloe during the Super Bowl. And it's just like every time something like that happens, it feels amazing. And it just, it's not that I need the affirmation because I, I know I'm good at what I do and I, I do have confidence in myself, but it just feels nice to have other people, you know, tell you that you're good too, especially when like those people have given so much to support you and, you know, they mean the world to you. You want to know that you're making them proud and yeah, definitely my family and my friends, they get, they get just as excited every single time one of my ads comes out and it, it feels amazing. Well, I mean, even just you recognizing the fact that it feels good to hear something nice from other people, like that doesn't get old. Like when people turn like 70, still feels nice for them to hear good things from people. Like if they get a compliment from their grandchild or from the neighbor down the street, like that, that's some good stuff right there. Um, to, to take us on a bit of a segue, like, uh, one of my past podcast guests, Michael Dietrich, otherwise known as Mountain Mike, him and I were having a chat in the gym because we work out of the same space. And he kind of like posed a challenge or like a, a new way of seeing things that when you see a positive quality in somebody, you should point it out. Like Even if it feels like mm-hmm. like a stretch to like go over there and tell them that their shirt is awesome or that their voice sounded cool or that they had a really good lift, like the the ripple effect that that can have kind of similar to like your your past and doing the role with Aviva and all that stuff where you're empowering people and seeing like the strength in people or the good qualities like that is powerful I mean if if your social circle doesn't include a lot of people who like to do that um you gotta you gotta refine things a little bit like not not to like cut oh, yeah. people out, but just to make sure that you've got uh, cheerleaders in your life. No, I, I I could not agree more. And if you were to ask my friends like who the cheerleader in our group is, they would be like, "Oh my god, Chloe, loud and hard!" Like I'm just such a believer in like telling the people in your life that you're proud of them and that they're exciting. Like ask my sister. I bring the friggin' massive sign written with her name on it to her hockey game she's a division one hockey player and my best friend she was she was a double varsity athlete in school and it's kind of an inside joke between us because she was literally so sick and tired of me introducing her to people like this is my best friend she's a double varsity athlete and literally she was like you need to stop introducing me like i'm like but i'm so proud of you and i just feel like the more people can do that for other people it it, it really does make you go after the things you want because it, it can it can seem silly. Like, you, you know, the person who's been in your life forever to be like, I'm proud of you. You're like, I know that. But to hear it, it really, it just hits home and makes me want to do better. Yeah, well, like, it's cool to hear that you are like that cheerleader friend because there's not enough people like that. Like, I always like, I almost feel complimented when other people are making signs for their friends or like yelling <laughs> loudly what accomplishment that person had that makes them proud. Cause it's like, wow, like that is such a good feeling. That's like infectious. It, it makes other people with nothing to do with the situation feel better. Um, so hopefully if nothing else, people get that takeaway in that if you're going to support somebody, you like support them really loudly, like just support them so loudly. Yeah, like don't don't hold back. Um, when it comes to your like your career, everything that you do, it's got to be draining at some point, is it not? Or do you find that you're just like a bundle of energy? I think I am naturally a bundle of energy. I get told like, okay, take it down a notch sometimes. But I think you need that in this industry because you get told no so much. Like, no, 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 no. You really have to get used to rejection. And I think that's why so many people give up in creative fields is because it's really hard to hear no. And it's really hard to not take it as like a personal reflection on yourself. But at the end of the day, if you love what you do, like, you're not going to take no for an answer. 
And it's especially hard because for voice acting, like if I don't get a role, I won't even get a no. I will just get ghosted. Like I just don't hear back. And it's it's just a lot of uncertainty of you're just waiting and waiting and you don't know an exact date that you'll hear back if you got the role or not. But I mean, as long as you love what you do and you believe in yourself, it really shouldn't matter. You you just keep going. I I had this, I listened to this lecture one time and this guy was talking to actors and he was like, you have to think of yourself like a present and you're going to give yourself to somebody but not everybody will like that present and that's okay because you're still an awesome gift and you're going to be perfect for somebody else but not everybody will want the same gifts like I wouldn't want a gift that my sister would want as a hockey player and so forth so like you're a gift and you're going to be perfect for somebody it just might not be the right gift for that person. And I just, I don't know, I thought that really stuck with me. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I am a gift. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a good takeaway for everybody. Like, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I am a gift. <laughs> like, it's, you're a gift. <laughs> it's. Uh, I think it, 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 it just works in so many situations. If you're trying out for sports teams, like, you're a gift. You just might not be the right gift for that team. Like, I, I really think it's universal. And I think we just get told no a lot more regularly but other people get told no all the time whether you're dating or applying for jobs or whatever you're doing it's just you know it's the way you take those no's and move forward that really makes or breaks well that's a lesson that a lot of people have yet to learn I think people who are leaders in their area have become very good at learning how to get knocked down or take rejection or hear no or hear that their idea wasn't good or their application wasn't correct like uh in the fitness industry that's a reason for a high turnover that's the reason why a lot of people's careers don't Mm -hmm. last that long because like they have to hear no in consultations they have to hear no when they're applying for a job like I, mm-hmm. I almost consider myself the king of hearing no at like job applications. It's just like, what are we going to do next? And uh, I know my process, but like for yourself, so much of your work is to hear that no or like the thing that yeah. stood out to me was like being ghosted. Like so many of these things where we put ourselves out there, we put everything on the line. We don't even get that closure of hearing if it's, if it's going to work out, like when it comes to jobs, mm-hmm. when it comes to everything. So what do you do to move forward or to create that structure that creates growth for yourself? I really, that's a great question. I really hate the term like everything happens for a reason because I feel like everything doesn't happen for a reason. But I had a couple managers at Lulu who there was a couple roles I had applied for for community that I didn't get. And I was really annoyed. I was like, upset and I was like I did everything right like I don't understand I've done everything right you're supposed to do for this role and my manager was like it's just not the right time like this isn't what's right for you and I just feel like every time I felt like my world was like ending because I didn't get some opportunity another one came along like if you ask people in my life they know me like notoriously for being the person that's like okay I met xyz at the bus stop and they're going to hook me up with this person who's going to give me a job and a career and blah 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 it rarely ever works out but maybe one will and I'm gonna keep trying and I really think you just have to get in the mindset of like if if you're if you were meant to be in that role you would be like the people who are hiring the people who are casting the people who are like choosing these decisions or making these decisions like if they wanted you in that role, you'd be in that role. And why would you want to be in a role that you weren't good for? So I just think to myself, like, I wasn't right for that voiceover. And if I wasn't cast, there was a reason behind it. Maybe my voice was too, I don't know, whatever it could be. And for acting specifically, you just you really have to let go because it's just it's it's not a reflection on me. Like if my voice didn't work in that Pantene commercial, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean I'm a bad voice actor. It just means my voice wasn't right for that commercial. My talents weren't right for that job. It doesn't mean I'm not, you know, good at what I do. I think I've just gotten to a point where hearing no is not a reflection on my talents at all or who I am. And you just, you just honestly have to keep going. You just have to do it again and do it again and do it again. And every once in a while, look back and see how far you've come. And, and, 
there's definitely a couple times I've been told no. And now that I look back, I'm like, thank God I was told no, you know, like, thank God I didn't take that job or that whatever it was. And, and look where I am now and look where I might not have been if I had taken those roles. So thank God for no. (laughs) Well, I mean, that really spoke to me. It's, uh, everything that you were saying there, I was like, oh yeah, like, if I had every opportunity that I tried to pursue workout, there'd be so many better opportunities I would have never had the chance to try for. Like, I wouldn't be someone who had the success in one area had I had the success in another area. And like, I wouldn't go back and change it over. So if I had done things in a way that worked out the first time, like I wouldn't have the the outcomes that meant so much more afterward. And so like you almost want people to have to struggle. It's like, come on board the struggle bus, like get ready to <laughs> yeah. just suffer through everything that you thought should be easy for you. Like get ready to feel like like it's you against the world because if you don't embrace that, there's going to be a lot of really amazing opportunities in your life that that won't happen. Like, I mean, we can even go to like my whole hop into Lululemon. Like I took on like a remote position because gyms were closed. And had I mm-hmm. not taken that on, so many cool people I wouldn't have met. Like I, I don't know if our paths would have crossed if I didn't take that uh, temporary position for a few months. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm glad that that happened. And so... <laughs> It's, uh, it's just a cool takeaway for people. Like if they're feeling um, deflated or defeated and they feel like they're just not going to get what they want out of life, just like keep going, get ready to mm-hmm. uh, fall down a few more times, get back up stronger. Um, something that I was thinking about as we were talking was this is a question that I ask all of my guests and I'm curious to see how you would answer it because there's a lot of things that make you different from from past guests. And the question is, if you were to give one piece of advice to someone on how to live their life to the fullest in the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? Wow, that's a good question and a lot. <laughs> I would, I did this exercise once where it said to like close your eyes and write down like five times in your life where you genuinely felt the most happy. Like if you could think of five times where you were like, this is it. Like I am a hundred percent in the moment. I'm a hundred percent, you know, quote unquote, living my best life. And then look at them all and see like, what are the common denominators? And for me, it's like my family, my best, best, best friends. Like I'm really about, you know, quality. I was going to say quantity over quality, but no, I am quality over quantity. I have like, a couple close friends who mean like the absolute world to me and yeah just like look at what are those things that are are patterns like for me it's being on stage it's you know using my voice to uplift and inspire others being close with my family and friends and like my cats like it really when people when people hear the phrase like live your best life I feel like they immediately think like oh I'm on I'm jet setting around the world and I'm like you know, rich and famous, and I'm doing all these amazing things. And I'm wearing my expensive shoes and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, if you if you were to sit down and close your eyes and pinpoint just five moments out of your entire life, where your smile was the biggest, like I guarantee you, it's not going to be what you think. And for me, it's those same things. It's like watching the sunset on the dock with my family in Halifax, We, we live on a lake, and we just have the most amazing sunset. So like, that would be it. It's like me and my best friend went to Greece, just the two of us. And just we were sitting one evening, just like eating gelato on the sidewalk. And like, that's one that comes to mind. Like, it's the little things. And it's like, for me, it's like who you're with. So I would say, yeah, just like, look and see who are you around that you smile the most. And spend more time with them. Like, it's it's really quite simple, like spend more time with the people who make you smile and spend more time doing the things that make you smile. And if you have to work nine to five in a job you hate to be able to do that, okay, well, then you better be in the moment and not on your phone and really enjoy. Like, I I really feel, I I don't know, I really feel 
conflicted when I hear people who are like, oh, but I have to work to live my best life because I need to make money. I'm like, absolutely. But if you have Saturday and Sundays off, it's like you better be making the best of Saturday and Sundays. Like my favorite thing to do here in Ontario when we're not in a global pandemic is um, I love finding small little towns and forcing my best guy friend to drive me to them because he has a car. And the three of us or four of us will just get in a car. We'll just go to a, a cute small town that I found on like Google and we will just explore for the day. We will find like what's fun to do there, if there's any hikes to do there. And we we do this so much. And like those are the things for me that end up being like the best memories, the best weekends. So yeah, that, that would be my advice to living your best life. That's awesome. I mean, I love that small town discovery idea. Like It's some, so fun. Some of my best reflections and ideas and goals come from just like uh, – going mindlessly around places I've never been and typically mm -hmm. it's like smaller places where it's like you're seeing a different perspective which is a good segue for the next question that I have for you because we kind of talked about like your past accomplishments and like your process but like I'm I want to know how do you decide what your next goal is like how do you set goals like you have the Lululemon background Lululemon is great for setting goals but what is it like for you in like setting out what what your next year ahead is going to look like for me I've never been the kind of person to be very good at setting like hard goals for me, I'm more of like an opportunities kind of person. A lot of the things that have happened to me that have been amazing are because I was like, hey, that's cool. I'm going to do it. Like I'll, I'll hear of something and then I, I really am not good at focusing on anything else. Like I'm a very like go, go, go kind of person. So once I discover something that sounds neat or interesting or cool, I'm like, okay, I've got to do it. And then I just, it's just about setting little intentions every day. So what am I doing every day that's like an hour or 20 minutes that's leading to me being a better voice actor? It's not about, you know, spending eight hours every day. It's like, no, what am I doing for 20 minutes? My a big goal that I want to accomplish is I really want to voice a Disney character. And I literally didn't tell anyone that for a long time. I told my assistant store manager and she was like, oh, you'll do that. And I was like, what? She was like, well, you're going to do that. Like, I can see it happening. And I was like, yeah, but it's so scary. Like, it's such a big, scary goal to put out in the world. And she was like, yeah, but you'll do it. And I was like, how come you have so much confidence in me that I don't have in me? And she was like, because I know you. She's like, you'll do it. So I feel like for me, it's just putting it out there. Like, putting it out there. There's been so many times where I've said, like, yeah, I'm a voice actor. I really want to do X, Y, Z. And someone's like, oh, I didn't know you wanted to do that. My Fish's cousin's uncle's brother is a voice producer, you know, like, I just feel like from I know for a lot of people, it's like, write it down, write it down. For me, it's like, say it, which kind of goes along with my whole brand. But I just like to tell as many people as I can, like what I do and what I want. And all I can do is just keep working. And hopefully one day these goals will come true. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I've been doing this year. I've been like, I'm just going to bluntly tell people what my goals are. And either they're going to have something to do with it, or they'll give me that uh, confidence that I need to, to press forth. It was like, I was having my morning shower today. And I had a thought I was like, you know what, the people in our lives believe in us more than we believe in us. Like, it's just mm -hmm. something that I didn't really realize until I thought back, like, when I've doubted myself in my career, or just personal life, like, everybody in my life thinks that I'm going to be able to pull it off. And I don't necessarily always feel like I'm going to pull it off. I'm like, how can this be? Like, is, are they seeing <laughs> something that I'm not aware of? And then I realize it's like, it's that whole nature of being self-critical, beating yourself down that gets in our way. It's, it's the thing standing in between us and our goals. Like one thing that I look forward to is whenever that day comes, I'm going to be able to look back and I'm going to be like, I had a Disney voice actor voice actress on my podcast like um because like I've seen a lot of people do some pretty big things since they've been on the show and so I like to kind of like play the manifestation game I'm like I'm just gonna say it out loud and then let's it do on it yeah um there's something else I get each of my guests to do and it is you put out a challenge for my audience just something to kind of like enhance their life uh get them to see things a little bit differently and it can have your brand all over it 
But if you're going <laughs> to give my audience a challenge, what would it be? And the way that you'll share that with them is say your challenge for the day is, and then just put it out there. Hmm. Your challenge for the day is to think of something that you love doing that puts a huge smile on your face that you haven't done for a long time. And just do it. Stop making excuses. I know for me, like you can see my guitar right behind me here. Like playing guitar brings me so much joy. I never do it. I never have time. I never have time. So my challenge for everybody today is to just do it. Like pick up the guitar, cook the meal, read the book. What is something that really makes you smile that you've been putting off because you don't have enough time and do it today, right now. I dare you to. <laughs> That's perfect, especially the dare part because then people get edgy. They're like, oh, she, she dared me, so I better do it. You have to. <laughs> um, when people want to learn more about you or they're intrigued, like how do they find you? Where is the go-to place for them to discover more about Chloe? Yeah, um, you can either follow me on at Chloe Forrest, F-O-R-R-E-S-T-V-O, to keep up with my voiceover happenings. I made a separate page just so that I could spam it with voiceover stuff. Or Chloe, C-H-L-O-E, for E-S-T. It's a little pun on Chloe Forrest. If you want to just see what's going on or just connect with me personally, because that's more of my uh, fun times page. <laughs> I love that fun times page. Um, and with that being said, that basically wraps up our episode for the day, but I would love to thank you so much for, for joining me. It's been so cool yes. to, uh, to experience the world through, through your eyes. So thank you. Thank you.